3: Hey Molly, this is Michaela. I'm 24 and a premium submarine from Texas. And I have a question for you because I really have not been able to find a lot of good resources for this, but it's death. Just coping with death and the inevitability of it and how to stop feeling like you're on this constant time crunch and that you're wasting your time and your years doing the wrong thing. Uh, I just feel like I've had my head in my own ass, for lack of better words, for years as I'm, you know, trying to focus on my mental health and address my trauma, all of that. But I feel like all my peers are living their 20s and they're being spontaneous and I feel pretty isolated while I'm trying to heal Uh, and I just feel like I'm wasting all my time. I grew up in a doomsday cult where we didn't think we were going to die. So the concept of death is incredibly fresh for me. And I wish I had been desensitized to it as a baby (laughs) because I don't know how y'all are walking around just knowing you're going to die. I don't know if that's very niche to me or if other people are struggling with this, but any advice that you have on how to not feel like you're wasting your entire life uh, would be greatly appreciated. So thank you so much. You're the best. Bye.
0: (laughs) We got a double whammy of voicemails from Michaela this week. I played her voicemail at the beginning of Perdita's interview and also decided to play this voicemail to tee up our exploration for this week's premium portion of the podcast. And if you are listening from the public feed, you'll receive a preview of this. But if you are a premium submarine, you're going to receive the whole damn thing. Michaela you crack me up because you're like is it just me am i the only one that's like freaked out by the concept of death no (laughs) i think everyone is talk about the most universal fear there is but the most unconscious repressed fear that there is i would wager to say that even people who prioritize their quote unquote mental health are not really thinking much about the inevitability of death i can't even imagine what it must have been like for you growing up in a doomsday cult where you were trained to believe that you were never going to die and then having to reconcile with the fact that you were and my mind just can't even wrap around how much psychological destruction this must have caused and It's amazing that you are working your way out of it, asking questions, and trying to find your own way now. And I really commend you for that. I thought your question here on the concept of death and its inevitability and how I think about it now was really timely and went so well with this week's interview of Perdita that I knew it had to be what we would cover on the premium portion of the podcast And I hope by listening to the episode with Perdita that it helped you a little bit conceptualize this, but I want to go even deeper here. As long-term listeners of the podcast know, I have dealt with a serious fear of death and dying and just the foreverness of death and the deep fear of losing people that i love and knowing that i will lose certain people in my life it's something that's paralyzed me for as long as i can remember i used to have night terrors and super awful insomnia as a really small child thinking about these subjects so this topic couldn't be any closer to my heart and i would be lying if i said that i had conquered this fear completely i have not but I have come across resources that have helped me begin a path toward becoming less frightened and understanding it a bit more. So without further ado, let's get into it.
2: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
0: In his book, The Denial of Death, Ernest Becker wrote, The idea of death, the fear of it, haunts the human animal like nothing else. Humans might be the only species fully aware of the inevitability of death William James, who is considered by many to be the father of American psychology, famously called this fateful knowledge, quote, the worm at the core of human existence. This metaphorical worm today forms the basis of terror management theory, which proposes that awareness of our mortality, which means, you know, our awareness of the fact that we're all going to die, coupled with our built-in self-preservation instinct produces a primal terror that we all constantly struggle to manage and to do so we often form beliefs and take actions that provide meaning and value that we hope persist beyond our own demise granting us a feeling of living forever right So some people write a book or some people, we're driven by certain purposes because we want to do things that will live on after ourselves. But other times, and I would argue to say most times, we simply just cope through escapism or suppression, repression, or denial. We all deal differently with this overarching, foreboding feeling of our imminent death and We fear death in very distinct ways. Cara Santamaria is a popular science communicator pursuing a PhD in clinical psychology with a focus on end-of-life care, said the following on the Skeptic's Guide to Universe podcast. Some people are afraid of oblivion. Some people are afraid of dying, the pain, the disability. Some people are afraid of leaving people behind. They're afraid of leaving things unfinished. They're afraid of not having a legacy. There are so many different ways that we can be afraid of death. Certain surveys suggest that common fears surrounding death are tied to the prospect of leaving loved ones behind and also just on the process of dying itself. But certain life choices can help us ease the fear of death. For some, being married or in a committed relationship Brings comfort. Being in good physical health can help too. Maybe just because it creates more meaning in life and it's linked to better mental health, or that it grants the perception that death is a little farther away. People on opposite ends of the religious spectrum also tend to be less afraid of death. Atheists tend to be more relaxed and in the moment, while strong believers in religious practices take comfort in knowing that there's an afterlife or that their life has meaning. Most comforting, potentially, is that we tend to grow less afraid of death as we get older. A clinical health psychologist at Duke University named Jade Wu wrote this, This could be because older people have experienced more of life, so they have less fear of missing out, or it might be because they have more experience with witnessing and handling the death of others. So Michaela, you know, you said that you're 24 and someone who's 80 would quite literally say that you're just a baby, you know, even though it's the most annoying thing when older people call us like tiny children, even when we feel so grown up, but I think that there may be some truth here to, you know, when we're in our 20s and we're thinking about that, it it really gives us that feeling of what's the point, because there's so much more life, hopefully, left to live when we're in our 20s, but it's also that paradox of like, wow, there's so much more life to live, and at the very end of it, I'm just going to die, like, what the fuck? For some people, the fear of death can be hard to handle, and it's developing into a phobia, and this phobia is called thanatophobia and it comes from thanatos and that's a mythical figure just as with any other mental health symptoms certain fears can become pathological where they become all-consuming and start to interfere with our daily lives and make it harder for us to connect with other people and that's when that fear of death becomes more of a phobia awareness of our mortality is just part of being human Author and existential philosopher Irvin Yalom says, We are forever shadowed by the knowledge that we will grow, blossom, and eventually diminish and die. According to terror management theory, which is that theory of how this death anxiety influences our behavior and sense of self, We manage our fear of death by creating a sense of permanence and meaning in life. We focus on personal achievements and accomplishments of loved ones. We take endless photos to create enduring memories, and we might even attend church and believe in an afterlife. And these behaviors bolster our self-esteem and can help us feel empowered against death. For some, however, periods of stress or threats to their health or that of loved ones may result in ineffective and pathological coping mechanisms. What I found interesting in my research for this episode is that some people actually focus and channel their actual fear of death on smaller and more manageable threats like spiders or germs. These kinds of phobias might appear safer and more controllable than the ultimate fear of death. And this makes sense because when we look closely at the symptoms of several anxiety-related disorders, death themes feature really prominently there. When children experience separation anxiety disorder, it's often connected to excessive fear of losing major attachment figures, such as parents or other family members, to harm or tragedy from car accidents, disasters, or a significant illness. This resonates with me a lot because when I became old enough to sort of stay at home by myself for smaller periods of time, which is probably around, I don't know, I don't remember it very clearly, but I'd say that I was maybe like 12 or something. My parents could just like run to the store and back, right? I was okay to be at home. I don't remember exactly what age I was. I would break down in tears. It was right in the beginning when people had like more mainstream cell phones and that would have been around like 2010 to 2012 or something. And my mom and dad had a cell phone and I just remember nonstop calling my parents. And if they were gone just a little bit longer than I thought, I would be like literally in absolute tatters, sobbing, crying, convincing myself that they had died. Other obsessive compulsive behaviors that maybe mask an overarching fear of death that's being repressed. Compulsive checkers might repeatedly check stoves and locks in an attempt to prevent harm or death. Compulsive hand washers often fear contracting chronic and life threatening diseases. My little sister used to wash her hands so much when she was little that she would like her hands would start like cracking because she had washed them so much. People with panic disorders frequently visit the doctor because they're afraid of dying from a heart attack. And meanwhile, those with somatic symptom disorders, including those formally identified as like hypochondriacs, frequently request medical tests and body scans to identify what they think is a serious illness. Specific phobias are characterized by excessive fear of heights, spiders, snakes, and blood, and all of these things are associated with the common denominator of death. Phobic responses to seeing a spider, for example, typically involve jumping, screaming, or shaking. And some researchers argue that these extreme responses could actually represent rational reactions to more significant threats, such as seeing a person with a weapon. So, you know, Michaela asked in her question here, is the fear of death normal? Given that we're all going to die at some point, death anxiety is a incredibly normal part of the human experience. For many of us, thinking about death can evoke fears of separation, loss, pain, suffering and anxiety about leaving people behind that we love and wondering what they'll do and all those kinds of things. And According to terror management theory, this fear actually has the power to motivate a life well lived. It stimulates us to cherish the people we care about, create enduring memories, pursue our hopes and dreams, and achieve our potential. Death anxiety becomes abnormal or dysfunctional when it forms the basis of pathological thoughts and behaviors that stop you from living your life. Many of the obsessive compulsive hand washers and checkers spend significant amounts of time each day engaging in these ritualistic behaviors designed to reduce the threat of dirt, germs, fire, home invasion, or threats to themselves or the people that they love. And in a similar way, people with these phobias that we talked about might go to extreme lengths to avoid what they fear and react with extreme distress when confronted with it. So when these thoughts and behaviors lead to impaired functioning, this anxiety is considered no longer quote-unquote normal, whatever that word means anymore. In Western culture, we tend to pretend that death doesn't exist at all, whereas research has indicated that the East Asian yin and yang philosophy of death, where life can't exist without death, allows individuals in these cultures to use death as a reminder to enjoy life. Cultures like the United States and the United Kingdom are seen as death-denying cultures, in that death is mostly avoided as a topic altogether. The less something is openly discussed, the scarier it tends to become, Avoiding talking about death can reduce a little discomfort in the short term, but it probably makes most of us much more anxious in the long term. A study from 2012 explored more about these cultural differences and how people respond to mortality and found that European Americans get worried and try to protect their sense of self, while Asian Americans are more likely to reach out to others. Much of the research on what psychologists call mortality salience thinking about death has been done on people of european descent and has found that it makes people act in really dramatic ways particularly people like to protect their sense of self by putting down people who aren't like them or distancing themselves from innocent victims in this study Both European-Americans and Asian-Americans were recruited, and each person was told to either write down their thoughts that came to mind when thinking about their own death, or to write down their thoughts about dental pain. Those people were the control group. Then they were asked to decide what bail should be set for a prostitute and given a survey on their attitudes toward prostitution— As other research has found, European-American people who thought about death were much harsher toward the prostitute than those in the control group, but Asian-Americans who thought about death were much kinder toward the prostitute, even though they started out as being more conservative. In a second experiment, participants were presented with a less extreme case, a story about a university employee who'd been injured in an accident through no fault of his own. The same result was found. European-Americans were more likely to blame him if they'd contemplated their own mortality, while Asian-Americans were less likely to blame him. Now, this aligns with research that finds that European-Americans and Asian-Americans think about the self very differently. For European-Americans, everyone wants to save themselves after thinking about death because loss of self is the worst possible consequence, Asian Americans don't necessarily see themselves in that individualistic kind of way. Self is very much tied up with the people around you. So in this case, that means that when they're threatened with their own mortality, Asian Americans apparently reach out to others. Researching for this particular episode for all of you has really helped validate my exploration of spirituality from an integral perspective exploring the spirituality and the ways that people in other cultures think about the self think about what's beyond you know beyond the veil as it were and the exploration of no self our hyper focus on our individual self on the ego is what gives rise to so many of our quote-unquote mental health symptoms or quote-unquote disorder or dysfunctions in our current modern society. Our European-American society is so focused on me, 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 and there's no understanding of we. Life has a 100% mortality rate except each time we're presented with death it's presented as if it's something that has gone completely wrong in films that we grow up watching death was a punishment for villains and then we all grew up to discover that we are bound for this same fate i want to read you a portion all right everyone that is it for the preview of this episode this full episode which goes on for an hour is available to my premium submarines on patreon so if you'd like to unlock the full version you can sign up and become a member for the price of basically what adds up to be one incredibly bougie coffee with a tip or two meh coffees with no tip i hope you're tipping your baristas though because service jobs are fucking really really hard speaking from first-hand experience but i digress In the rest of the episode we really dive into different cultures and the way that they view death and I also finish out the episode with a really beautiful reading by Ram Dass and I make it more of a meditative experience and I get pretty emotional at the end where I talk about my own fears of death and how I've come to the place that I am now which is more of an acceptance space but also still with a long way to go really really intimate discussion so if you'd like to get into that you can become a premium submarine you can learn more about that by clicking the link in the episode description or you can simply go to patreon.com and search back from the borderline as a premium submarine you unlock full-length episodes with no ads to all back from the borderline episodes you also will gain access to hundreds of hours of bonus content in the full og episode archive you'll unlock my voice notes which are little personal notes that i send to my premium submarines every single thursday on the higher and little bit more expensive tier and you'll also get to connect with and engage with other premium submarines and listeners of the podcast and really join the discussion. It's a real beautiful community that we have created there together and I love each of my submarines so so much because it also allows me to continue doing this work for you. I'm very very picky about the sponsorships that I choose to move forward with. I've turned quite a few of them down and so I rely on the support of my premium subscribers to maintain my integrity. So if you've ever thought of subscribing, please do, and if you have the ability to do so, because it also allows for others who can't afford to support my work to continue listening for free. Thank you for being here with me today, and I'll see you next week. And in the meantime, remember anyone, even you, can
1: come back from the borderline.